Bible passages like this, I sometimes think, oh, great. It's Jesus actually explains what he's saying during the Bible passage. Therefore, it's going to be really easy to preach on. But I went to kind of lots of, of Bible commentaries this week that explain the Bible passage, explain the story, and all of them basically say, yeah, no, Jesus has explained it, hasn't he? There's nothing left to say. So uh, um, it's, kind of, it's, it's turned out to be a, a really interesting journey for the, me this week because I've been thinking what it is that God's putting on my heart to share with you guys this morning. And what I think the big idea is, is this, that Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Jesus doesn't want you to be religious. He wants to have a relationship with you. We've been going through over the last 13 weeks a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and there's some really challenging teaching in there. And when I introduced the series 13 weeks ago, I suggested that there were three common responses to Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. The first of these is condemnation. When we hear what Jesus has to say about the way in which we should live our lives, the way he's created us to be, the way his kingdom will and should be, we can feel condemned. We can feel like we could never do that. We can think of all the times when we've let him down, when we've fallen short, where we've made mistakes, where we've willfully disobeyed, and we can feel condemnation. And I don't believe that is what Jesus wants us to feel when we read the Sermon on the Mount. I think that's the scheme of the enemy to stop us coming to him. More on that later. But if at any point over the last 13 weeks, in any of the sermons that have been preached here at St. Paul's about the Sermon on the Mount, you have felt condemned, then I want to say sorry to you. And I want to ask you to forgive us. We do the best that we can when we're preaching, but even we sometimes make mistakes. Liz is looking surprised on the front row. Um, I'm sorry if it's going to shatter your world, Liz, but yes. Even we sometimes make mistakes. The second response that we might come to when reading the Sermon on the Mount, if we don't feel condemnation, is pride. Actually, rather than feeling, I've messed up, I could never do that, we might sit there going, uh huh, I've done it, I'm sorted. Isn't Jesus lucky to have me? And actually, I don't think that's the response that Jesus wanted either. And if you've been sat here uh, over the last 13 weeks or sat at home and you've been thinking, no, I think I've pretty much got it all sorted, then two options. One, please come and teach me. Secondly, I think the Sermon on the Mount was exactly for people like you, I'm afraid. People like the Pharisees of Jesus' day who thought they had it all sorted. And Jesus really wanted them, and he wants us, 
to stop and to think. To really reflect on our own lives and our discipleship, our relationship with him. Because I think what Jesus wants out of us when we listen to the Sermon on the Mount is I think he doesn't want us to respond with condemnation and he doesn't want us to respond with pride. What he wants is he wants us to come with humility. He wants us to say, I can't do that. I have messed up. But Jesus have mercy on me. So as we've spoken over the last months, we've heard Jesus teach on character, who we are as people. We've spo- he's spoken about influence, the way we affect those around us, practical living, our devotional lives, our spiritual lives, our ambition, our relationships, and our discipleship. And I wonder what your responses have been through all of them. Just take a moment now to think back. I know I wouldn't expect you to remember every sermon I've ever preached but I'm kind of hoping that something has stuck in your heart and your mind over the last 13 weeks. And be honest with yourself. As you think back to that one or two sermons, do you remember them because you responded to them humbly? Do you remember them because you responded with a feeling of condemnation or with a feeling of pride? If you haven't been with us over the last 13 weeks, then I would encourage you to go back and read the Sermon on the Mount. It's in the Gospels, in the, in the stories of Jesus' life, in the Bible, in a book called Matthew, and you can find it in chapters 5 to 7. And it's some pretty good, challenging, and hard reading in different places. But think about how you respond as you read it. Because today, Jesus asks us, what we're going to do with his teaching, what we're going to do with what we've learned, what we're going to do about what we now know about our own hearts as we respond to the Sermon on the Mount. Are we going to listen but just carry on? Or are we going to listen and be changed Jesus deals with two different responses. I think there is, of course, a third response, which is just not listening. Uh, Jesus doesn't mention that. And there is a chance that you've sat there for the last 13 weeks going, la, 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 or just thinking about whatever it is you have in the oven, in which case I encourage you to go back, look again, read again. But if when you, we have listened, how are we going to respond? And I put it to you this morning that there are two ways in which we can listen but not allow ourselves to be changed. 
And the first one of those is connected to that voice of condemnation that I've already spoken about. Because we hear what Jesus says about our relationships with him, our spiritual lives, our prayer lives, our relationships. And we think, I can never do that. So I'm not even going to try. The voice of condemnation tells us we're not good enough. We're never going to make it. We're always going to fail. So why bother trying? That's one way in which we can listen to the words of Jesus and then just not put them into practice. And Jesus doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us to be give in to the voice of condemnation. He doesn't want that to be our response. The second way in which we can listen to him and not allow it to change our lives is that voice of pride. I can do this. I've already got it sorted. Why would I need to change anything? I'm already there. And the real danger of this voice, other than the fact we're probably just deluding ourselves, is that we can then turn the Sermon on the Mount into religion. We can use it as a weapon against other people. We can say, well, I do this. Why don't you do it? I've managed this. Why can't you manage it? If you want to be a follower of Jesus, then this is what you need to do. If you want to join our church, then this is what you need to be like. In the autumn, we're planning, we're planning for there to be no restrictions. We'll talk about that later. Um, but in the autumn, we're looking forward to a new sermon series. As a staff team and as a preaching team, we're going to be preaching and leading, not just on a Sunday, but throughout our week, on the idea of just coming as we are. Coming to Jesus with all our hopes, our fears, with our feelings of pride and condemnation, the times that we have had success and failure, and come to him as we are. And one of my biggest hopes for that series is that some of the people who have left church, some of the prodigals who have walked away, would come home, back to the loving arms of the Father, back to the church, the community of faith. But I want to 
be slightly honest with you this morning. If you're a regular at St. Paul's, if you're not and you're here for the first time and you're visiting, it is a delight to have you with us and you are welcome home. But if you're a regular at St. Paul's, I want you to ask yourself, have I turned Jesus' offer of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness into a religion, a list of do's and don'ts, a list of things that we should get done and that we shouldn't get done, a list of entry requirements to come to the heart of the God who loves us all. Because it's so easy for each of us to do. And we, to the extent at which we've done it, we need to repent. We need to come to the Lord and we need to say sorry for the pride. Sorry for the making up rules that he didn't give us. Sorry to turning our relationship with him into a religion. And turn back to him. Because Jesus encourages us to listen to his words and to put them into practice. And we need to pray that God would give us the grace to respond to him today and over the last months. And every time we come to him with humility... And what does that look like? Well, it means reading the Sermon on the Mount and going, I could never do this. I could never do this on my own. So I will fall at the feet of Jesus and ask him to help me. And that might be really scary for you to do. But let me assure you, when you do it, and you do it again and again and again and again, his response is one of love and mercy and grace. Because that is why Jesus came. He came to call us all home. And in order to be called home, we need to realize that we're not there yet. You can't call somebody home who's already there. You can only call someone home who has wandered astray. And we have all done that. And he calls each one of us home. He died so that we could be made right with God again, so that we could be reconciled to him. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he picks us up again. And then when we fall again, back at his feet, he forgives us again and picks us up again. 
and puts us back on our feet. And it is by his Holy Spirit that we might be able to live the lives that he's called us to. And that's why we need to call on him to pour it out upon us. St. Paul's Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to know how much we're loved, how much we're forgiven, how much grace he has for us. And he wants us to share that with other people. And it's not until we know that, that we'll be able to do it more and more. I want to close this morning with a quote that I read as I prepared this week. It's from a man named Michael Green. It is not the religion of Christianity that disciples should be concerned to vindicate. With Diedrich Bonhoeffer, we believe that Jesus Christ came to destroy religion. Religion, if conceived as human attempt to become acceptable to God by whatever systems of belief or practice, is a beggar's refuge. It will not keep out the wind or the hail. What Jesus offers you is totally different. It begins not with you reaching up, but with God reaching down. It's not a religion at all, but a revelation and a rescue. Jesus is the revelation of what God is like. Never has there been such a true likeness. The king has come to bring in his kingdom. He is no less than God's rescue plan for men and women, lost in the self-centeredness of sin. Jesus doesn't want us to be religious. He wants to have a relationship with us. Amen.